Well, hello, everybody, and good evening, and welcome to the All Portable Discussion Zone. It's a bi-weekly live stream all about amateur radio portable ops, and my name is Charlie. Call sign is November Juliet 7 Victor. With me this evening are the uh, one of the two, show, two shows co-hosts, uh, Dan, KC7MSU, and uh, Brian, we miss. He's out doing uh, training still for his new job, uh, W7JET, but hopefully he'll join us uh, here in a few weeks. And I am also pleased to introduce to you tonight's guest, Dave, K3GX. Uh, of course, uh, as always, we have the regular characters in the chat room. Thank you all for being there. We've, uh, we see your comments, and we'll try to throw up as many as possible. Make sure you ask uh, your questions if you have any tonight, and we'll try to address them. And I think we do have some people who are pretty good at 3D printing in the chat, as well as, of course, Dave is. And uh, we can get your questions answered, as well as if there's any good comments, throw those out there as well. We'll try to put them up where everybody can see. Um, if uh, you don't, uh, if you uh, want to uh, do uh, podcasting instead, uh, just to remind you that this show is converted to a podcast about 24 hours after the show ends. And so you can catch that as well. And so let's get going. Um, uh, let's go ahead and start off with Dan as usual and see what you've been up to the last few uh, few weeks. Well, actually, um, been pretty busy uh, doing a lot of different things. Um, let's see here. I attended uh, the Scottsdale Ham Fest last weekend and was a lucky winner of a Yesu uh, HT, the FT5D. So wow. It's Pretty easy That's... to program, so I'm looking forward to getting that out on a peak. So Congrats that'll on be that. lots of fun. Uh, what else? Uh, I threw some CW at Charlie on one of his last peaks, so I'm sure <laughs> yes. that was pretty exciting for him. Must have really been like, wow, what is he doing? But uh, got through it, so that was a lot of fun. And uh, let's see, just uh, working on some antenna things, and uh, we'll go from there, I guess. Cool. All right. Uh, I was just getting ready to pull up a picture, but I, it's not up right now. So I guess I won't for for the time being. I'm going to show you guys later, maybe. Because uh, I also went to the Scottsdale Ham Fest and uh, I uh, grabbed a uh, drive over mount for Parks on the Air from oh, yeah. my friend Tony. And uh, I actually used it already. I have a video coming out on that. So. That'll be fun. I'll, sh I'll throw up a picture later on if, if uh, time permits and show you guys. It's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, I, I did a, uh, I think I've probably done three activations, uh, POTA and two sodas at least in the last couple of weeks, if not more. So I've been really busy. And of course, uh, you know, doing the videos and stuff like that. So uh, 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 I'm trying to think if there's anything else. That's pretty much it for me. I uh, did uh, a new summit that I had never done before. Took the, uh, the Jegu X6100 out and uh, took that for a test run. And uh, then I get uh, put out a video on that and it was uh I was pretty okay with what uh, what I got with the radio. Uh, did it again just yesterday or the day before. I think it was Friday. Went out again and, and did a summit. And uh, that one turned out to be better. I didn't overheat this time. So uh, I, the jury's still out on whether or not I like the Jegu X6100. But I think I'm going to like it better than I had expected to like. To You know, what my initial thoughts after looking at all the videos and stuff, I was a little hesitant. But I think I might actually like it better than i was anticipating so anyway that's me uh D dave welcome to the show appreciate having you here yeah thanks charlie great to be here um yeah i've been doing some poda and some soda last couple weeks i guess uh uh last time was uh this past friday i was in salt lake city visiting family and 
So uh, we actually went to, uh, we were going to do a Soda Peak in Salt Lake City or uh, just out, just east of there, uh, but it was too muddy. So ended up doing a POTA um, out of, uh, this is the Place Park, which is oh. in the eastern part of the city. Uh -huh. And um, it, it was excellent. Actually, I, I used the uh, KX2 with the uh, AX1 whip. And, uh, you know, it was within, I would say, a half an hour. I had 12 contacts and went from Maine to uh, British Columbia and five-watt five CW. So that, that antenna is very surprising. I just It's amazing every time I bring it out. Um, so that was Friday. Last, uh, last Sunday, I also did a POTA here locally in uh, California. Um, and again, you know, it was, it was no problem. Uh, Saturday weather wasn't so great here last year, last week. So, uh, I, I worked a lot of, um, the Pacific Northwest activators as they were up on peaks, getting snowed on and raided on. Um, and then the week before that, I went to one of my favorite peaks that I've found so far, not that I've done that many, uh, summits, but, um, there's one just North of here that I did. It's a one pointer, but it's one that, I usually like to sit on a summit and just operate for a while. I don't, you know, run around trying to do multiple in a day. And um, it was like 40 contacts. And I looked and I was like the second second most uh, number of uh, QSOs in a activation on that peak. So Nice. That's always yeah. great. Especially since it's probably QRP, right? Yeah, it's always five watts. Yeah, yeah. Well, something that uh, maybe not a lot of people know, uh, you are uh, involved in Soda and in Poda, right? So, so you're part right. of the crew, right? Yeah, I, I I got started just listening to or watching videos, and uh, actually started watching Poda stuff first, and then, uh, uh, but I really like the um, uh, the the Soda stuff is a lot more interesting to me, uh, just because it really is portable. Yeah. Um, you know, forces you to get out there. So, yeah. Uh, but I, I really do like soda. I like the community. Yeah. Well, so we will get into your background a little bit, but since we're on the topic, tell us a little bit about for your summits on the air activations. I, I, I understand that most of the stuff around you is, is, uh, really just one and two pointers you have to go pretty yeah. far to get, uh, other stuff. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that. And then also what your gear is that you normally use for summits on the air. Sure. So uh, I started in uh, August of last year doing soda and poda. Um, I'm using a KX2. I have um, the AX1 antenna, like I mentioned. Um, and I also have uh, Adams K6ARKs, NFED half wave. I have a NFED um, um, uh, random wire. Uh, which I also use, but usually use the half wave. Um, what else do I have uh, antenna wise? It seems like I carry around every antenna that I have. Um, and so that's, that's about it. I just have the KX2. I guess I have a QCX, but I don't really bring that to the summit much. What band is that? Uh, 40 meters. A 40 meter one? So, okay. Yeah, I never have brought that to a summit. I Actually, Adam uh, K6ARK sent it to me. Uh, before I got my KX2, I was so anxious to get that. So um, <laughs> cool. once I did that, that, that was the end of that. But I've well, done uh, 17 activations, I guess, since uh, August. Uh -huh. Good. Uh, and 
33 points. So, and you chase, right? Well, wait, 17 activations and 33 points. That's yeah. And that's one, of those was, one of those was a 10 pointer on the East coast. So okay. <laughs> not many points around here. Yeah. Um, so you, uh, you do soda and then you also do poda. How long have you been doing poda? Uh, about the same time. Yeah. Actually, I probably did a parks on the air before I did a summits on the air. Um, yeah. we have a park really uh, close here. So it was just, it was a great way to test out the equipment. Um, so. And then you, uh, you chase too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm about, I'm about three quarters of the way to the first sloth. <laughs> okay, so. good. That's good. Good. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad that you are a part of our community, both the POTA and SOTA community. Um, all right, let's, before we get into your background, I promise, let me just share the screen real quick and see if I can pull up what I, what I uh, was talking about here. I think it's pretty cool. Share screen and up we go. So that's what I was talking about. Um, so that's uh, that's the little drive over mount that I got. So pretty cool. Um, I uh, really like it, and and it uh, it did a good thing. It did a performed really well for me. Okay, so uh, go ahead then, and let's talk about uh, you and uh, some of your background as far as uh, when did you get involved in ham radio to begin with, and and uh, then maybe uh, parlay that into into some of your uh, experiences with CW, how you got going there. Sure. So uh, I actually got started in radio in third grade, um, so that's been quite a number of years ago. Um, I was looking through a Sears and Roebuck catalog and uh, asked for a, uh, it, was, it was very inexpensive, shortwave radio. My dad said, no, uh, why don't we go out and find a really good shortwave radio? So we found one locally. It was a Halicrafters, big, lots of tubes, huge receiver, SX38, I think it was. And um, so I did a lot of shortwave listening and, you know, used to listen to the uh, uh, the, the uh, avionic weather station out of Newark. Um, I was on the East Coast at that time. And I used to plot uh, weather maps you know, um, because I get all the temperatures and the clouds and, you know, whatever was going on in the rest of the country. Very engineering and mind. <laughs> and I would match it with, uh, with the actual weatherman's uh, forecast at the, in the evening where he had magnets, you know, on a, on a board uh, with the fronts <laughs> yeah. and see if I got it right. Um, but anyways, that, that radio um, uh, ended up uh, not working after a while. And I was a little bit older and then uh, my, uh, dad had a good friend that was a ham radio operator and he said, well, maybe, maybe you'd like to have, um, something where you could hear people talking back and forth. And I said, well, that sounds pretty cool. So, um, sure enough, we got that. It was a Hamerlin HQ-170A receiver, which was really nice. And then I got the bug to get my license, but it may be not enough to keep the radio initially because my, my dad said it was over, it was in December. He said, uh, son, if you if you don't get your license in the next month, we're just going to sell the radio. Ooh. And <laughs> so anyways, that I got out a reel to reel tape recorder. I recorded a bunch of um, live conversations in, in CW and then I slowed it down. And that's how I learned CW. I learned, you know, all the lingo and, you know, Q codes and all that. Um, and in January, I was well above 13 words per minute um, using a straight key and um, got my uh, novice ticket in 75. Um, 
uh, WN4RDI. I was in Virginia at the time. And uh, I think it was a year or two later, I upgraded to general. Of course, you had to go to the local FCC office. And we were in the western part of the state of Virginia. So that only happened once every six months. So Yikes. I had to study quite a bit. Um, uh, but I never, well, I got up to general. And uh, uh, my CW speed, I was using a, well, actually, I I got my general, I went into, uh, I, I bought an SBE 34 radio, uh, so it was all sideband, no, no CW. And I did that for maybe a year, and I, I just really wanted to get back in CW, so ended up with a Heathkit HW101, uh, so I could do both, and I uh, had a Heathkit keyer, which actually I have here, um, <laughs> big old clunker. Whoa. Right. <laughs> So uh, anyways, um, I, I had at that time, um, actually I had the Kier, I had a Knight VFO, I had a DX60B, and I had that Hamberlin uh, receiver. I forgot about that. That was my novice days. Uh, so um, I had to flip two switches to go between transmit and receive. I had the VFO switch and the antenna switch. Wow. Um, so then I got the HW101 and, you know, I was back into CW again. At that time, I was doing about 35 words per minute. And that was pretty much my mode of operate. I, I love CW. Um, and that was, um, I, I was in high school at that time. So I really, I spent way too much time doing ham radio and not enough time doing studying. Well, so. obviously, if you went from 15 words a minute to 35 in, in yeah. high school, yeah, and I got really involved in uh, the traffic nets back then, uh, you know, sending the radiograms. I was in uh, a college town at Virginia Tech and uh, also very involved in high school with the college uh, uh, K4KDJ uh, club station. And they had a nice Collins S-line and nice beam. And so that was a lot of fun. We used to go down there on Saturdays and and, you know, we had some pretty good electrical engineers that were building a lot of hardware um, and just, you know, it just really got me going. That's cool. Um, well, so, and then uh, now you're just, you're still involved in CW, obviously, yeah. and uh, you do soda and poda. And then uh, let's talk a little bit about how you got uh, interested in, uh, in 3D printing then. How'd that come uh, about? Yeah. So uh, I guess it was about three or four years ago. Um, I kind of got the bug to get back. I, I really didn't do any prototyping electronics wise or anything and, and, um, uh, for many years. And so I, I started designing circuits or, or at least, you know, programming existing circuits. And, and I always ran into the problem of not having an enclosure to put them in. And, you know, you couldn't buy a bud box that would fit and then you had to drill it out. It was, it was just not that part of that, uh, of that exercise was not that much fun to me. So uh, I was at a uh, maker fair that was up here in the Bay area and uh, um, what's the guy's name, uh, but it was a, uh, a printer bot printer that he had on sale for, I think it was like two to $300. And I thought, well, shoot, that, that'd be kind of neat to, you know, put together and try out. Well, I got it put together and it just, it was, you know, it wasn't a heated bed. So, you know, things did not stick very well, you know, when you started printing them. 
And um, I kind of lost interest for about a year. And I'm not really sure exactly. There was another guy at work that, you know, he kind of started getting into it as well. Um, so it could have been him, but we, we got back into it about the same time. And I ended up buying a uh, Prusa um, MK, i3 MK3 printer, which was a pretty big upgrade. Um, but man, the thing just worked. And then I started learning a lot uh, about Fusion 360 and spent a lot of time with that. Um, so what is so, Fusion 360? Uh, that's a, a 3D design software. So that's, you know, that's kind of like you, CAD. Yeah, it's yeah CAD, but in 3D. Uh, you're doing a lot of 2D and 3D, you know, operations. You're you're drawing in a 2D space, and then you're basically extruding it. So how does how does that part work? The 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 software itself. It, it, what's the learning curve on that? So if somebody was new and they wanted to get involved. Uh, good question. So it's it's fairly steep. You know, I'm an electrical engineer, not a mechanical engineer. Um, so. I had had AutoCAD experience years ago, like in the 90s. Um, so that part wasn't too hard to learn. Um, so, you know, I sketched things in 2D, you know, like you would on a piece of paper. And then extruding is just basically taking that that drawing and making it 3D. So you just, you let it grow. Like if you had a, um, for instance, a box that you're going to put some circuitry into, uh, you would draw a rectangular box and then you would say, okay, I want to make that. Uh, and that's 2D, right? And then you extrude it up and make it 3D and you say, I want it two inches tall. And then, so now you got a solid block there and then you start, you know, creating sketches on the surfaces to make holes and you extrude out the holes. Um, so that, that's in a basic sense what you do, but you end up... Okay with a lot of sketches on different planes and then you extrude them. Okay. And is this software pretty much the standard? Is that what most people use when they start out or, or no? Uh, not necessarily. I, I did because at the time it was uh, free and had all the capability, you know, as long as you weren't making money off of it, it was fine. Um, that's changed. Now you do have to pay money if you're going to have any kind of, well, for me, I, I, I figured I went through the learning curve. I'm going to, go ahead and do the subscription each year yeah. um, rather than learning something new. But there's others out there that are, are very capable. Anything um, from like something for free. That's pretty simple to all the way up to, I'm sure something really expensive that costs a lot or that uh, has a yeah, lot of capabilities. Um, so what's the, let's see, I think there's freedom CAD, uh, simplify, uh, simplify 3d. I, I honestly, I I've been away from that part, you know, like evaluating the different CAD packages yeah, for so right. long. I, I can't remember, but you know, you can still do quite a bit with, um, fusion 360. You just can't save very many models, right. right. Or parts. And, uh, I didn't want to lose my library of things I'd created. Yeah. Well, welcome to, uh, to Adam. He, uh, uh, does some 3D printing as well. Thanks for being here, Adam. And of course, we have uh, we have uh, Sean in here as well. Uh, That's so, great. So we got a few people for, that uh, we know as well as a lot of other regulars. Um, all right. So, Dan, do you have anything uh, you wanted to add or, or uh, ask or anything? Well, I was just kind of curious because, you know, David jumped in fairly early uh, in when printers were first, you know, really coming out. So what would have been the biggest cha <clears throat> changes and uh, improvements 
uh, in them. I mean, I I remember seeing things, you know, early on where, uh, you know, due to the movement, you'd get some table, some shake and things like that as far as rigidity and, and those kind of things. And how, is, how has it changed over the years? Well, I, I think that when I started out, there weren't very many heated beds out there. And, and a heated bed makes all the difference in the world. Um, uh, it, you know, and being able to get to a high temperature, depending on the materials that you print with, um, also a flexible bed. So uh, when I got my first printer, it was just a aluminum plate and I had to put down, uh, either, uh, this kind of sticky glue, or I had to put down, um, you know, it's like masking tape for painter, a painter's max masking tape. And it was just a real hassle. And most of the time it wouldn't stick. And then you'd have to peel that back up and then put down some more tape. Um, so now we have flexible beds. So you take, you take the, uh, this flexible sheet off and you just bend it and the part pretty much pops off. Um, oh. I use a little spatula type thing to, uh, to get, you know, some, some parts that are harder to get off. Um, I think the uh, the other thing is, you know, Prusa really standard or not standardized, but they just their assembly process is so easy to follow. Um, and if you buy one that's pre-done, obviously that's good, but uh, I, it just works. And, you know, it didn't used to be that way. I, um, it was very easy to clog up your printer. Uh, I about run the uh, first printer I had. Uh, you know, you, it would heat, you'd heat up the uh, plastic and then it would end up in a big blob. Um, and now you have self-leveling uh, beds, you know, so when you print that first layer, it's very important that the nozzle is a certain distance away from the, from that um, surface. Otherwise it could run into the surface and it damages your nozzle. And so, um, yeah, it's just, now it's, it's, uh, it's a tool that works. It's not, yeah. It's not something you have to fiddle with. I remember. Yes. Just go ahead, Dan. Well, I was just going to ask uh, about nozzles and clogging and, and things like that. I, I've heard that there's been a lot of improvement in that. Uh, I remember a lot of times, you know, a couple of years ago where folks were complaining they were constantly cha having to change out for new nozzles because the other one got so clogged up and it was difficult to uh, keep it unclogged. So I was curious about that, and especially with the different kinds of uh, resin formulas and things, uh, how that works now. Yeah. So, um, th there are two different types of, of extruders. One of them has the, um, uh, whatever's grabbing onto the filament. So the filament is just a thin piece of plastic that's go it's on a spool and it's going through the extruder. Uh, the extruder just gets hot, melts that plastic. And then, uh, uh, these little gears are pushing that plastic through that hot area. Um, so on my printer, the, the, uh, those gears are down close to the, um, uh, to the, to the hot end of the printer, but there are others, it's a, it's called a, a Bowden extruder where you have a, um, the gears are like on the other end of a tube. And then you've got the, the, um, uh, filament going through that tube. That's a problem with really flexible stuff like TPU. That's, that's, it's like rubber. And, you know, when it goes to that tube, it will compress or, con, you know, contract. 
and it's not very uh, reliable as far as how much you actually get out of the nozzle. Yeah, T-Ray uh, here, he says, at work, the very first commercial printers we had, if you dropped the model, it would break into 100 pieces. It was like chalky ceramic type material. Yeah, that, that was a long time ago. That was... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, the the uh, common materials that are used for printing outside of some really, I mean, you know, you can uh, you can print just about anything. But at home, um, PLA is probably the most common, but it's very bad for outdoor use. Uh, you don't want to use that for a soda summit, at least around here. It's too, uh, it'll just melt. Um, but it's really easy to print with. It's easy to get off of the print bed. Um, I print almost exclusively with PETG which is still not as temperature uh, resistant as something like, um, uh, what am I thinking of? ABS. ABS is what everything's made of. You're going to put it in your car and you know, let it get at 150 degrees, no issues. But it's very um, uh, toxic if you don't have a good fume hood um, and you got to keep everything hot around it. Otherwise, it doesn't print very well. So I use PETG, and I've never had any issues with it. Easy to get off the bed. It's heat-resistant enough for soda work. So Yeah. Okay. So before we hop in and, and see some of your projects and talk a little bit about, about application, um, let's get a little philosophical here and uh, talk about uh, really the title, and which is uh, Ham Radio and 3D printing and how all of a sudden in the last few years, uh, 3D printing has become part of the ham radio hobby. And uh, why do you think that is? I mean, what's what's uh, why all of a sudden is 3D printing uh, something that uh, is another niche in the hobby? That's a good question. So I think that uh, we like to build things and we like to experiment. And a lot of things that we, you know, uh, a lot of the radios that we get, not a K. Well, I guess you could build a KX2. I didn't, but um, if you build a, uh, like say a, a QCX, right? Uh, sometimes you want to put it in an enclosure. And in fact, um, you know, this is an example of. I didn't design this, but this is a, an enclosure for the QCX. Right? It's got two pieces, parts falling out. But uh, anyways, um, you know, you can customize it for a lot of the boards that you build. Um, it's it's great for wire winders. It's great for insulators. You know, there's a lot of plastic thing, coil forms, um, and a lot of people made keyers out of it. So, uh, in in the chat room, what do you guys think? And also, Dan, what do you think? Uh, just philosophically, uh, have you guys seen noticed in the last few years that 3D printing has become part of the ham radio culture? And and what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you have any thoughts, Dan? Most definitely. I, I see a lot of ham radio operators that uh, enjoy experimenting with uh, 3D printing. Um, I think it, they, you know, they enjoy the ability to be able to make something that uh, you can't quite get the right part unless you clue something together. So, um, you know, they, they like the challenge of being able to make it and uh, have something that's designed specifically for their application. So. Quite a few hams I know are in that area. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. And I think that uh, you're right, Dave. I mean, generally, we like to build things and we like to, uh, you know, make things work for us. And there's a lot of a lot of things that have been out there that, you know, we just kind of modify. 
But now, instead of modifying something that's already existing, we can actually uh, create it from scratch and make it the way we want it to begin with. And uh, 3D printing, I think, has come a long way. I mean, like you said, it used to be that there was a lot of problems and <laughs> you buy a printer and most of the time it wouldn't work. And I think now things are really getting good, uh, especially if you get some of the, you know, if you don't want to get a low-end printer, but if you get a medium-range printer, you can you can really do some good work. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it used to be you'd go to a maker uh, facility. We we had one about a mile away and, you know, you'd set the thing off and let it start printing. And then you come back a few years, a uh, few, few hours later and see that there's just plastic everywhere. So um, it's really nice to be able to have it sitting there, you know, while you're doing something else and kind of keep an eye on it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Adam has two printers. I know he bought a new one that's a little better than the other one he had, the first one he had. Uh, and then we got uh, 3D printing fits in perfectly with ham radio. Those of us that love the tinkering aspect find it an extension. Yep, that's right. I agree with that. And uh, then uh, Hayden says, just bought my first free printer on Friday. Well, congratulations. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Nice. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and then uh, 3D printing can also save a ton of money. Oh, yeah. We, I didn't really even, uh, we didn't really bring that up, did we? Yeah, it really can. I mean, you can you can go and search for models that have been created by others and you know if you if you don't really want to design it yourself then there's a lot of you know just do a do a search do a search on a kx2 and there's a bunch of knobs out there that you can put on your kx2 you know people yeah, don't like of, what comes with it so well not only that but uh just repairs for example yeah. you know you, you can't get that part anymore because the radio is older, for example, and, you know, a piece of plastic has broken off from it. Well, now you've got an opportunity to replace it and uh, it looks just like, like it came out of the factory. Exactly. Yep. All right. Well, uh, I think everybody pretty much is in agreement that it's a, it's, it's naturally become an extension of ham radio. And, and uh, especially I think in some ways uh, the portable, aspect of it i mean we're, we uh, we're here we've got you on because you're a portable operator and uh actually you you sent me uh a, a 3d printed uh 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 what what is a shroud yeah that's uh, what we called it <laughs> yeah uh, for uh for a key a paddle that i had the uh that i needed to help with so we can maybe show that in a minute or here or so but but uh let's talk about some of the projects that you've uh done and, and some some uh, ways that you've applied 3d printing to help you in your portable ops sure so uh yeah that shroud was definitely one of them uh because i was just as frustrated as you were you can't you can't hold that key or without uh keying it accidentally but uh, the very first thing that i did with it uh for uh so you're going to get a kick out of this uh check out this keyer oh my god oh, wow it's huge. <laughs> it's it really doesn't belong in the portable ops uh, category, but uh, yeah, you know it was using. I, it might have been quarter twenty or something hardware, right? But how does it work? It uh, it, it works. Um, actually, I don't know if I made this. Let's see if I can take the the uh, top off of this thing. But uh, yeah, it's not great. It's not great. So it was before. <laughs> when I was just getting into this uh, portable stuff and I looked at that Heathkit keyer, it was the only thing I had. And there's no way, you know, you can do anything with that with modern rigs. So, uh, oh, here we go. Okay. So that's the inside of it, right? It's just big hardware. 
don't know if that that's cool yeah yeah you guys can see that yeah yeah so it was just commonly available hardware and uh you know i I did a couple iterations of it but then i gave up um and i i I really gave up on it after i got the uh uh the kx2 gear right i i use this pretty much exclusively um but so Adam says he used to say that, uh, you know, he said he asked the question, you know, what's better than having a 3D printer? And do you know what the answer is? Uh, no. Having a friend. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he actually <laughs> bought the he actually bought the um, uh, printer that I currently have. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, some, it's it's if you're if you haven't gotten into it, I, I think it's good, actually, maybe to start off with something that's you got to tinker around with. Because you learn a lot about, you know, how they work and how to maintain them. You know, the the problem I have now, it's probably been, uh, like I said, three or maybe four years since I put this thing together. And I've got an upgrade kit that I got that will take it into the revision that's not current, but, you know, one removed. And I'm afraid to do it (laughs) because it's been so long since I tore that print head apart. So anyways. (laughs) Well, cool. So yeah, you made a big, uh, a big uh, CW paddle. So uh, yeah, and this this is the shroud that. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. That and that works good. I uh, first time I used it, I didn't put the screws in because I needed I right. wanted to take it out. But it worked. Yeah, yeah that, once you put those now screws you can in, hold it like this, and yeah, it works really well. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, American more. Yeah, it had those screws on the outside that really kept getting in the way, and and uh, right. So that's a good solution. Yeah, so that I, I actually don't use that very much because I don't like to have to hold, have both hands occupied when I'm sending right. CW. I want to be able to, you know, I usually have a pen in my hand as I'm keying and ready to write down uh, call signs and such. Um, so also, uh, so it's great for antenna stuff. And actually, Adam um, did the uh, design on the. Um, on this wire winder here, right? So not only is the wire winder 3D printed, but the insulator, I don't know if you can see all this, yeah. So yeah. this is a, uh, you know, of course carabiner, but I I actually just got not too long ago a carbon six um, soda beams pole. And so I was trying to figure out how I was gonna attach the end of the wire. Well, so I designed this little let me see if you can see it. See, it's got oh, the yeah. little hole in the end. So yeah. that hole is just big enough to where it goes and rests on the junction between the, the second and the third um, antenna pole piece down. Yep. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, so... The section. And then, section, yeah. The, and so I was I was experimenting around with different hole sizes. You can't do that. You know, you got to drill out a new one, right? It's just nice to be able to print another one. Um, and then these insulators, right? That works out really well. And then uh, I made or designed and made a uh, coil, which, uh, you know, that's got 12 turns and it just, I don't even have to epoxy that or put heat shrink over it. It just works. Is that an N-fed half wave with the with the coil to make it so it works better on the other bands? On the CW, yeah, and on yeah. the other bands. And then this is Adam's uh, matching network, and right. he's so it's what he's designed there. in there is that little clip. Uh, let me see if you can see it. See the clip, uh, right? Oh yeah, yeah. The BNC snaps in there. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. so it's great. And and actually, I um, not only use it for that, but I use those wire winders for, um, uh, let me see here. Uh, oh, so the AX1 antenna that, come, that I got from Elecraft, I chopped the uh, BNC holder off. Um, didn't chop it off. I, I actually just, you know, in CAD uh, brought it down to where it, it actually turns out that it's just perfect to hold the one end of the wire in there and then wrap it around so you don't need to hold it. Um, so I use this for both of the radials, the 40 and the 20 meter whip. Um, About how long does it take to, for example, print like a, one of the winders, for example? Um, on the way I have it set up, uh, on this printer, I think Adam prints them out a lot faster than I do. Um, but it's, I, I'm trying to remember now, maybe, maybe an hour or less. Oh, that's not bad. Something like that. That might be for two of them though. I can't, can't remember. Um, it's not uh, too long. K8 uh, DRT says I've printed several upgrades, uh, for the printer, including a Raspberry Pi case for the, for printer control and covers for the radios and boxes for keys. And so far, you know, so that's yeah. a good thing. And uh, of course, uh, Smokey always has something funny to say. I heard that those winders even stay crunchy in milk. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What else is there? Uh, is there... What else is there uh, as far as radio is concerned? Um, oh, so this is uh, when I volunteer to uh, do radio communications for a bike ride. Uh, or, you know, some kind of uh, uh, event, um, you know, it'd be nice to be able to carry your two meter rig along with you. So you could actually use this for soda if you're going to ride your mountain bike, you know. Up. How did, what's but, the application uh, for that? So this is a, this is an HT holder that goes oh. on. So it actually clips in, you can see this slot right here. Yeah, for people and, for people on on the podcast, you're just going to come back and watch the video. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it actually goes in a um, uh, a lighting uh, light mount that I have on the handlebar. Right, it just slides in there, and then uh, this hole is so I can clip the belt clip for the HT through. Uh, oh, and actually, it's nice. uh, if I, I, it's been a while since I've used this, but um, so the radio sits right here. The clip goes through the hole like that, and uh, you know it's it's pretty secure. And then this is a little opening here for the microphone. Let me see if I can get the light. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's I see nice. it. So you can see it. You just clip it right there. So it's the mic is right beside the uh, HT. So you could do uh, you could do soda with that. Right? Cool. Adam says he's he does the uh, 0.8 millimeter, and so he can do 14 winders in five hours. Yeah, he says that's cool. Less that's really quick. <laughs> he says they're less refined, but still nice and strong. Yeah, they print fast. I mean, for a winder, this is uh, actually the first antenna um, gadget that I put together, and it was it was a little bit of a copy of the what's the guy's name uh, KM4 ACK. He has a antenna, you know, matching network, uh, which also has a winder on it. And so this is obviously for higher power. You, I'm sure you could run 100 yeah. watts on yeah. this. Um, it's an in-fed random wire. And what I did is I, I not only have the matching um, transformer here, but I also have um, uh, the one-to-one -one, you know, choke. Um, oh, okay. And then it's a winder for both the 
uh, counterpoise as well as a radiator. And what's kind of neat about this is that I just put a carabiner here and I usually have a clipboard with me. So I clip this on the clip for the clipboard and have it hanging off the end. And then I run a one foot piece of RG, uh, what is it? 316 to my radio on the clipboard. Huh, very good. So it's kind of a neat mount for that. That's genius. But uh, the funny story about this. Um, so uh, uh, Rob K6KM, you know, I, I made one of these for him as well. He took it out and I had been activating probably about, I don't know, probably 10 summits at that point, maybe less. I'm not sure. But anyways, he was out activating. I was on the East Coast. He was activating a, a, a summit here and we could barely hear each other. And that that next week, he noticed, Dave, you got this thing backwards. You're actually driving the counterpoise and not the radiator. And so <laughs> no wonder I've been getting such bad signals. So I, I was activating <laughs> summits and had the whole thing reversed. I was, you know, I had a 17 foot counterpoise that I was driving. Oh my gosh. And the That's 41 hilarious. foot radiator was up in the air doing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, like, if you, did you get any contacts though? Oh yeah, I, I, you know, thirty some on a summit. You know, yeah. it was. Yeah. Welcome to the much... magic of uh, amateur radio. Yeah, exactly. I so. Want to thank uh, Richie's radio room. Thank you so much for uh, for that contribution. We'll make sure that it goes to good use. Uh, that was very generous of you. Um, Adam says that uh, it really surprises him how many people use uh, the uh, what is it the other type? Uh, oh, make PLA. the paddles out of PLA. Yeah. It prints nice, but and so yeah. Uh, what's agreed. What's, I actually bought one that is, I can't remember. It's, it's an American Morse or is that the one that I did the shroud for? But the, uh, yeah, I bought one that was out of PLA and I had the case. I had my Elecraft case open with that keyer in it and yeah. the hot sun. It just, I mean, the thing just, it ruined it. So I, I asked him, I said, um, so what did you print this with? And sure enough, it was PLA. So he sent me a replacement, still PLA. Um, but I haven't used it. <laughs> Just well, I would imagine yeah. that the PLA has more flex in it than than some of the other resins as well. No, it's actually more brittle than oh, really uh, than PETG. Yeah, PETG wow. has. So um, when I've made something out of PLA, like an enclosure that has like a snap fit, uh, it's very easy to break. Uh, whereas uh, PETG has got a little bit of give to it, where you can actually do that, where a lid just uh, I, I think that's the way, way I had the skier uh, designed. It just snaps on. So, so Douglas asks, which plastic is better for hot weather? Uh, is there is it one of those two? I mean, well, is it the uh, PGT, PETG? PETG. Or yeah, PETG Definitely. is better, but uh, um, um, ABS is definitely the best. ABS? That's ABS, most everything that people uh, injection mold with uh, for high temperature use, like inside your car, it's uh, it's ABS. Yeah, and Adam says uh, ABS or P PETG or nylon, etc. Right. Yeah, yeah you can it, do nylon. As so well. basically, anything but PLA. <laughs> yeah, I I've, I think I have one roll of PLA and probably uh, ten or fifteen of PETG of uh, filament. I just I just never print. I think I actually have the initial roll that um, Prusa sends with their printers. Yeah, of, uh, PT, uh, you know, the, of the different kinds of um, uh, media that you print with, is it difficult to get good high quality 
media or is there you know quite a bit of variability between the different suppliers uh yes there is uh and as a matter of fact you also have to be careful about moisture content on some some filaments uh so <clears throat> you can get dryers that actually you put the the spool of filament in and you keep it dry um uh the the tpu which is the rubber like i didn't even show that um so this this is the other uh thing i designed was a plug that goes in the end of these gocher fishing poles so you can see you can put a knot here so you got kind of a little bit of a safety if one side breaks the other side's going to hold right uh but it's i took a few iterations to make this actually fit perfectly um, but anyways, that material there um, is uh, very, if, if it gets moisture in it just by humidity, um, it, it's, you know, snap, crackle, pops as it comes out and just doesn't mm. do very well. Let's um, see if we can get caught up on some comments here real quick because there were a lot all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. Um, uh, let's see. Was uh, this where I started? Uh, yeah, he bought a roll of PLA and the rest is P PETG. And then he says the this is K8DRT, says he prototypes in PLA and then does the final in PETG or PETG. PETG. Yeah, PETG. Yeah. And uh, if you guys are interested, there's a link here. Uh, Persa has a, a filament link. And uh, so there's that. And then we have uh, the ape says he printed a nine to one unun case in PLA and it didn't last long. So. Uh, yeah. just just more testament to that i guess yeah i actually uh printed a case uh for a, a bigger bigger matching network and that's what i actually use outside um and i made it i designed it so that you can just screw it onto the, the fence that i have um yeah it would never survive if you had it in pla yeah. uh, but as far as actually uh printing out your initial thing in uh, pla i don't really see a reason to do that because it really they're about the same cost uh oh. per kilogram so okay i just go for whatever whatever huh? work yeah yeah n6 ara you know him uh, oh yeah Era. yeah all right all right he helped he says he it helps to have an enclosure if printing with abs helps keep the fumes at bay and provides a stable thermal environment for constant prints so yep right yeah yeah that, they're a little tricky i i haven't found a way to uh do that uh here um but we we actually have the same printer that I have here at work and we have it under a fume hood and it does great uh, with ABS. And that's, yeah. if I had the means to do it, I would do it here. Do you print in, so do you print, uh, and I don't know if other people do the same, but do you print in the house or do you mostly print uh, like out in the garage? Uh, in the house. And uh, so one time I was gone for a while, I turned the heat off so the house was in the fifties. And as soon as I got in the house, I started to print. It didn't do very well. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of good to have the, the environment, um, you know, uh, room temperature, uh, the garage for that reason would be a, a, an issue. Too um, much variation in temperatures. Yeah. And you really need, uh, with ABS, like, uh, the commenter, uh, posted, you've got to have an enclosure around your printer, and it's also important to put all your electronics that drive your printer outside of that enclosure because it, you know, it's going to degrade the performance of that or the life of that with the temperature. So, yeah. um, 
uh, and then you have to have some way to exhaust it. I, I don't think I would still feel that comfortable printing in a garage environment with the fumes. Um, but mm. I'm sure people do. I yeah. just don't think that's a good idea. So, Dave, uh, do you have any other projects lying around that you could show us, or should we move over to the uh, di the uh, Slack? Uh, let me see here. Uh, well, this is not exactly radio, but I just want to show you something that would never be able to, you can never do with injection molding, right? So, boy, that light is really bright. But anyways, this is an air quality sensor that I put together and um, you can see maybe the geometry down in there see the vents down in the back oh, yeah okay so I designed this so the rain couldn't get in it so it's still an outdoor thing right and um, uh, the way it's designed is this row of vents is down below the row of vents on the inside and there's a little bit of a slope so if it rains it's just gonna it's not gonna go into the unit Right. And uh, uh, so I've actually got uh, one of these mounted outside and it's designed for a bicycle bottle holder. You just slide it in. Actually, uh, the circuitry is a Bluetooth enabled uh, device. So I have an app on my phone that I put together uh, where I can read the air quality as I'm riding my bike. Not like that's a huge thing, but it's, you know. it's cool, though. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So, and it, you know, you got a plate, right? So all kinds of electronic enclosures are possible. And then these pieces in here are inside the unit. Um, you know, I'd never be able to do anything like this um, with a project box, right? So, um, so well, and also just to get, for example, I'll be eight years ago it would be that you would go to a machine shop and have them machine some of those things, right? Yeah, and, I don't even know if it's just cost prohibitive. It. Yeah, I mean, that geometry there is, it's all enclosed. There's not, you couldn't injection mold it. It'd have to be separate pieces. Right. Right. And machining. I, it would just be a cost prohibitive. You can't do it. The yeah. geometry doesn't allow it. So, um, yeah, that's probably, yeah, I've done some other outdoor sensor type stuff, um, but, you know, it's not applicable. Oh, um so this, you can see the geometry in there. So that had, that also was an air quality sensor, right? With boards on top. So you can do some pretty, pretty neat enclosures um, with it. That's where I got started. And then I got cool. it into soda. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, let's take a few minutes and uh, move over to the soda summits on the air. Uh, North America Slack page. They have a three. You have a three D printed channel, three three D printing channel in there, and I hopefully everybody read my message and nobody is objecting to me uh, pulling up some of the stuff that's in there because some of it is is top secret, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so let me let me pull this up. So uh, maybe a good idea for some of you guys who are interested in doing three D printing. This has been a great resource for people. And uh, hopefully there's, I don't share anything that I shouldn't here, but uh, let's go there and maybe I'll zoom that up just a little bit. So we've, I'm not quite sure what this project was, but that's a. It looks like another wire winder. There's, I've seen sort. a lot. I've seen quite a few uh, iterations of some of those and they're pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, as I scroll up, uh, that looks pretty thin. 
but you know this this Slack page, people just kind of talk about everything 3D printed, and it has it as it has to do with ham radio. And uh, a lot of the guys in the in the in the uh, group here are uh, <clears throat> are in there. I don't know what is this. This is probably that uh, is that ABS. Uh, I don't know. There's yeah, you'd have to read one the of, side. It's one it. of the one of the types. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, well, this is Adam here. He's uh these. What do you think these are? You, I guess you know. Oh, those are, those what are, are they, Dan? Those are tears. Yeah, those are oh, little paddles. And, what's, in, uh, what's interesting too now about some of these for three D printing that hardware manufacturers are now making uh, specialized uh, threading hardware and stuff so that you can just heat them and push them into the plastic and they're designed specifically for these resins now. So you don't necessarily even have to, you know, try and thread the resin anymore. You can use one of these uh, inserts and they extend the life of the stuff that you're printing, you know, big time compared to, you know, having it threaded in and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So lots that, of neat things like that happening. Yeah. I've actually found if you don't need that longevity of, um, of using, you know, actual hardware, you know, screws and, and, and having a, a thread to go into that's not plastic um, that I've actually used on all of my designs, pretty much machine screws, which you never really expect would work very well. Uh, with this, but if you get the whole size right, uh, when you first insert it, you're going to get threads. And I, I've been able to take stuff apart and put it back together quite a few times without stripping the plastic. But yeah, melting, putting in those, um, I forget what you call them, but uh, uh, they're, uh, you, you heat them up and you, you put them into a bigger hole and then you've got metal threads. That's a, that's a better way to go. So here's an example of what you were talking about. It's a, an enclosure for a for a U kits. Yep, so that's yep. pretty cool. Is that um, anyway? Uh, there's you know you design them. So so some things you would design and some things you would uh, just find the design for right online. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Here, here's a, a mountain topper three B. Looks like uh, it's a cover for it to kind of protect it. It looks like so. Anyway, I mean, yeah. One thing risk. about finding things uh, that people have designed on the internet—that's—it's it's a really good thing to start off looking, and then, you know, you can always download the model uh, depending on what the the, the <coughs> rights are for. You know, you don't you don't want to <laughs> violate any kind of copyright stuff, but you generally you can download it, and then you can modify it if you don't like exactly what what it is. So, yeah, that, I found that one like that. To, I found one like that today. I thought was pretty cool. So. Yeah, it's it's it saves a lot of time sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dan, did you want to share your your thing that you found? Uh, yeah, I can do that. Let me. Uh... Yeah. While you're pulling that up, let's see if there's anything else. Uh, looks like Tank Radio is here. Uh, oh, he says that. Oh, it says uh, Jason is away. Tank Radio is taking over. Oh, okay. Here's the link for. Uh, for uh, the stream that's right after mine, uh, Ham Radio 2.0. So that should be in about four or five minutes. So uh, glad you're here, uh, Frank. All right. All right. Then... Let me share my screen here. Uh, share. Are you able to? Uh, there we go. Should be able to. Okay. So let me get over here. 
So I found this on uh, Facebook today, and it's actually by uh, Dave Gold, uh, N2MXX, and he had made a wire winder, but had incorporated the toroid and everything in there. Let me see. If, so that's what it looks like. I thought that was a pretty nifty way to, to uh, make a wire winder. Indeed. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it I'll looks be, like it's uh, lightweight for the size toroid that he has to use in there. Yeah. And he's even got a little cover on it and stuff. I think it, I would probably just use some electronics potting in there and sure. to make it really weatherproof. But that's, I thought that was a really uh, ingenious uh, little device today. And that's also available apparently uh, in here. Where does he say? I know you can download this, so it's on. I, I can't remember the name of the site. And oh, Thingverse. Thingiverse, yeah, that's yeah. a real yeah. popular one. Pretty so, common one, yeah. Yeah. The other, so it, the uh, other one is uh, PrusaPrinters.org is a good place to find models as well. Oh, so they have a, a spot for that as well. Yeah, it's a community, and uh, there's a lot of. I think uh, Thingiverse uh, had some issues a while back. I, I can't remember what they were, but, um, you know, um, yeah, I usually go to Prusa printers and look. So, Dave, um, say somebody wanted to get started with 3D printing. We only have just a minute or two left. Uh, where yeah. would you guide, where would you suggest that they go to get started? I mean, I would say, I mean, I don't know anything about it, but I would say a good place to start might be Slack there in that channel. But is there any place else? Uh, sure. There is, there are so many YouTube videos on, uh, uh, there's good, um, uh, content creators out there that are, you know, active, but, uh, I would, uh, I would, I would say go to the Prusa site. <laughs> uh, even if you're not going to get a Prusa printer, there's a lot of good information on there about, you know, like Adam shared, you know, about filaments and, and all the different characteristics and, um, but you know, there's there's a lot of information on YouTube, um, and for ham radio operators, certainly the the Slack channel is uh, is a good one. You know, for right. for portable ops. Good. All right, uh, Dave. We I really appreciate you coming on the show. We're we're uh, bumping up against the the transition over to ham radio 2.0 for his uh, live stream. So, but really appreciate you coming and and sharing some of your projects with us. And uh, sharing, you know, some of your information and, and your story, how you how you got involved, and and so uh, I we, I really appreciate you accepting the invitation. Um, sure. Uh, any any last comments? No, thanks uh, so much for having me on, and uh, it's uh, it's a real privilege, and I, I just enjoy working you uh, and everyone else on the summits. It's uh, yeah, it's quite a neat community. So uh, always glad to be a part of something like this to promote the activity. For sure. Thank you so much, Dan. Anything? I uh, know. Thanks for uh, just coming on today, and uh, it's it's another facet of amateur radio that uh, to get involved in, and you can do a lot of really great uh, designs and, and print prints from it. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Yep. All right. Well, uh, hang out uh, for just a minute after we uh, end the stream here, uh, Dave, if you will. But uh, thanks again for coming, and uh, thanks to everybody in the chat and everybody who participated. Uh, I think it's a good good uh, discussion on, on uh, 3D printing and, and uh, th there's so much more out there, but uh, maybe we'll have you back or somebody else to talk a little bit more about it. But uh, I'll say 73 to everybody and we're going to end it here, I guess. Thanks everybody. 73. All right. Thanks. <laughs>